Hi, I'm Leah Lane, an award-winning travel writer and author of Places I Remember, Tales, Truths, Delights from 100 Countries. On this podcast, we share conversations with travelers about fascinating destinations and memorable experiences around the world. So many cities, so little time to travel. On this episode, we're covering five U.S. cities popular with travelers, Boston, Las Vegas, Orlando, Chicago, and San Francisco, to give you an idea of the variety of pleasures you can find when you travel to cities, even if you just take a staycation or a long weekend. Our guest is Kaylee McAllister, Senior Regional Director at Go City, the leader in app-based attraction passes with products in 30 cities worldwide. Go City has curated under-the-radar experiences as well as the bucket list items travelers are searching for when visiting major cities. Welcome, Kaylee, to Places I Remember. Hi, Leah. Thank you for having me. Great to have you. Before we start, I'd like to say that wherever you travel, maybe even before you decide where you'll be traveling, you should do your research. You can Google and find at least five things you'd like to do. Researching when you travel helps you decide on where, how long, and what to see and do where to eat and stay, and when to go. What do you think about researching ahead, Kaylee? Where would you check besides your app, Go City? Oh, Leah, I am the consummate travel planner. I'm the person who shows up at a trip and I have, you know, four itineraries created. And my husband, who likes to be on the fly, says, oh, let's do that. And I say, oh, that's interesting. I have an itinerary for that. He has no idea. (laughs) And I do a ton of research, but my go-to is if I'm not using the app because I'm in one of our cities, Google, of course, just starting on Google and seeing, you know, there's going to be lists from Eater and Time Out, Hidden Gems, but also TripAdvisor. I actually started my career at TripAdvisor, so I can vouch personally the wealth of knowledge available from actual travelers, people who have been in those destinations and given their actual feedback is more beneficial truly than any article you'll ever read. I want to hear from another traveler. Interesting, because, you know, I used to write guidebooks, the paper kind, and that isn't even mentioned anymore because, of course, they're dated. By the time it comes out, things have changed. So that was another era. But now it's it's all online because it's it's recent, it's immediate. And, and I it's guess- in your phone, in your traveling light. People don't want to be traveling with quite as much. I do love a good guidebook, but I think especially the younger travelers, everything is just in your hand. Absolutely. Okay, let's discuss five cities. Kaylee, you'll give five suggestions about each. Some may be obvious and some surprising. And I'll give some of my suggestions as well. We haven't seen each other's lists, so it'll be fun to see how many suggestions we share. Maybe none, which is interesting, right? Okay, let's start with Boston, the historic city in New England, the capital and largest city of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and the cultural and financial center of the New England region of the United States. What are your five suggestions on what not to miss there? I am biased because I live in Boston. So this is a list from a local, but also a visitor. My five not to misses. The first one I would say is the Charles River Esplanade. The Charles River is well known in Boston and you can swim if you want to. You can sail, you can kayak. My favorite thing is just to walk or bike along the Esplanade. It's on the Boston side instead of the Cambridge side. And it's beautiful. There's a number of different docks that you can just stop at along the way. So they're always full of people picnicking, uh, having a lunch, just taking a break. And Boston's really awesome beer scene has a couple beer gardens along the Esplanade. Oh, nice on the water. What yeah. is the watching the head of the Charles? I've heard of that. 
The head of the Charles is a regatta, so it's rowing, and it takes place, it starts, I believe, in Cambridge, so actually my neighborhood gets super busy at that point in the fall, Uh, but if you think of Harvard and you think of sort of historic classic rowing teams, that very preppy New England activity, that's the head of the Charles, and it brings in a ton of visitors. Fun, and you can rent a boat, I guess, anywhere along there, I'm sure, go on the river. Absolutely. Okay, so that's a great one. What's another? The next one is Fenway Park, which is iconic. It's America's most beloved ballpark for a reason. But my favorite part is that it's located really centrally in the city. So you can buy tickets to a game if you want to. But you could also just walk down Lansdowne Street. It's where music venues are. There's sort of food vendors. And you're directly underneath Fenway Park. So you can look up and you can see the Green Monster. Um, What is the Green Monster for those in the world who don't know? The Green Monster is a big green wall across Fenway Park. You can actually buy tickets to sit inside. They're very expensive. So I typically don't do that. Inside the wall or inside the park? Inside the park on top of the (laughs) wall. On top of the wall. Okay. Yeah. And so if you're hitting a grand slam, if somebody's trying to hit a home run and you hit it over at the Green Monster, people just go crazy. A lot of people don't know this actually, but you can see a game from inside a bar. It's called Bleacher Bar on Lansdowne Street. And it's awesome. So it's super, super busy before games, but they have this cool garage door because it used to be part of the park. And now it's a bar and you can just watch the game through there. So you can see the players, but the outfield players can't see you inside. Oh, how interesting. Very Very good tip. What's another? I'm actually not a huge seafood eater, but for people who are, Boston is just in the most perfect location because we have Maine to the north, we have Cape Cod to the south. So especially if you like oysters, I think if you're coming to Boston and you're trying to get good seafood, I would have to recommend row 34, the barking crab, the daily catch, or Neptune Oyster. All of those are either in the seaport, North End, Fort Point, very, very walkable and top-notch seafood of all kinds, fish, shellfish. (laughs) Yeah, we love food. That's great. Great tip. Is there another? There is another. I have two more, but I would say the biggest one is the North End. The North End is a neighborhood in Boston. It's known for our sort of Italian history and Italian population. What I would say is people who go to the North End are either getting dinner they're walking around and they're taking a tour, but they're really stopping for a cannoli. So if you want a cannoli oh, in Boston. Explain people, what a cannoli is again. A, a cannoli is this oh. Italian pastry. It's sort of a, a hard puff pastry shell filled with this ricotta, the sweet ricotta filling. The traditional one has little tiny chocolate chips on the end, but you can get them in any flavor. And they're addicting. I mean, they're sinful. They're they so are. Yeah. People in the North End think about Mike's pastry, which is great. Cash only always has crazy lines. I would say, think about going across the street to Modern Pastry. Modern Pastry also has a secret underground martini bar that a lot of people don't know about. So you can get your cannoli and then get a cocktail underneath. Or if the night gets away from you, you can go to Bova's Bakery, which is just down the street, which is 24-7. And that's sort of where you'll see the creative folks at 3 a.m. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Their cannolis. <laughs> Yum and wow. <laughs> yes, exactly. One more? Yeah. Lastly, I would say the outdoor spaces. I think people realize that Boston is a little big city. So we've got the skyscrapers and, you know, you can walk through Back Bay, downtown Seaport, but we also have a really awesome outdoor space. Obviously it's seasonal. You don't really want to be out there in the middle of February in Boston, but I would say that the best outdoor spaces to get a walk in or just see sort of nature or, or flowers are the public garden, of course. The Kelleher Rose Garden over in the Fenway area is beautiful. It's 
or the Arnold Arboretum in Jamaica Plain. I love to go there in May for the lilacs. They have a massive lilac selection. And, you know, lilacs are temperamental. They only bloom for two to four weeks if you're lucky. But all of those are beautiful spaces to spend an afternoon. And they smell good, too. Oh, they smell amazing. It's my favorite, actually. It is. I love it, too. Well, those were absolutely fantastic. And you live there. So, of course, you have every little detail down. I had some of yours on my list, but I have a couple of other things which you might want to comment on. You mentioned the Botanical Garden, the Public Garden, which was built in 1837, is also the oldest public park, the Boston Common, that's connected near it, right? It's sort of like a necklace of these lovely green spaces. And there's the wonderful swan boats, which may be touristy to a local, but they're wonderful. They were introduced in 1877. And the children especially love to go in those swan boats. Yeah, they uh, may be touristy, but I actually took my nieces, my young nieces, yeah. we took them here a couple of weeks ago, and they loved it. So it's, it's touristy, so but it's sort of, you have to do it once. It's old-fashioned touristy, which is yes. nice. Vintage, I would say. The Chinatown is interesting in Boston. There's a park nearby, the Chinatown Gate. Yeah. And that's another nice place to walk and with fountains and so forth in the warm weather. For those of you who like the ballet and Broadway musicals, there's a beautiful Boston Opera House. It was redone in 2004 yes. with the help of Senator Edward Kennedy. And those of you who like buildings, interiors, it's it's just fun to go there. The, the areas are right next to each other, too. Chinatown and the theater district. So that makes for a really nice night because you could go to Chinatown, get an amazing, authentic dinner, and then go see a show, a play, a musical, a comedian right down the street. Perfect. And of course, there's the Freedom Trail, which is, again, touristy, but you've got wonderful buildings there. Even if you just go into Faneuil Hall, the old state house, the old. Yes, it's it's all in the same area. And the Freedom Trail is great. So you can walk it for free if you wanted to, even if it's a little touristy, the sort of costumed guides, they do add something to the experience because they'll tell you things that you just don't get from an app and it's not the same experience. Right. There were wonderful museums in Boston. I like the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. It was her house. It looks like a Venetian palace. And you get free admission on your birthday. And anyone with the first name Isabella gets in for free. Just saying. All the Isabellas out there. Yeah, it's a wonderful museum as well. Okay, so we covered Boston. How about switching to Las Vegas, which springs out of the Mojave Desert? With entertainment for everyone, it's the second largest city in the southwestern United States and one of the fun capitals of the world. Some suggestions. I think so. First and foremost, Vegas is amazing. It's an expensive city. You are going to spend some money on dining because there's amazing dining shows. If you're a gambler, then you have to visit the casinos. So I think my first tip is to take in the strip. The Las Vegas Strip is sort of entertainment in its own right. So I say that that's anybody's first stop when you get to Vegas walk up and down the strip. And the first time I went there, I was surprised at how long it was. I think movies and TV had made me feel like it was this sort of really condensed area. And it's not, it's pretty long. And Vegas is one of the rare cities in the country that lets you consume alcohol outside. So you can get your drink somewhere. So it could be totally free or you can buy a cocktail and just walk down the strip and you could see the fountains at the Bellagio and people watch and see sort of the dancers outside and then decide what you're going to do for the rest of the night. Good start. Good overview. Uh, yes. What next? Thank you. So next, if you're ready to move inside, I have to talk about the Verbena cocktail at the Chandelier Room at the Cosmopolitan. Leah, have you heard of this cocktail? I have now. Tell me. Okay. It's fabulous. It's a word of mouth cocktail. 
So it was added to the menu in December 2010. They took it off the menu. It was just seasonal. And there was a sort of widespread uproar because people love the cocktail. So they kept making it, but they never put it back on the menu. And now it's all word of mouth. So it's a cocktail with a Szechuan button flower. It's an edible flower. So you sip the cocktail, you eat this flower, and the effect on your mouth is it takes everything to level 10. So everybody's experience is different, but it has this effect on your tongue and your mouth. And like then an happens. umami cocktail. A little bit. And as you experience the drink, some people say it feels like pop rock. Some people say the Ooh. flavors explode. Uh, and it's elegant, elevated experience in underneath the chandelier in the Cosmo. So you have to start there and then go for your, your dinners or your shows. Fabulous. I always really enjoy spending time at the Link Promenade. So the Link Promenade is located just off of the Strip. So it's right still in the middle of the, the hustle and bustle of everything. And they've got some great attractions. They have the High Roller over there, which is a really, really big enclosed Ferris wheel. Yes, I've been in it's a little it's slow. <laughs> very slow. And it's super high. So if you're afraid of heights, once you get to the top, you're sort of like, all right, let's get going to the yeah. bottom now. I'm ready to get off. But it's it's super, super fun. And it's sort of an offshoot of the strip. Next, I would say you have to get outside of Vegas if you're flying all the way to Nevada. So the Grand Canyon is cliche, maybe, because it's right, you know, the number one thing you think about in America. But the easy access from Las Vegas just can't be beat. So if you're doing a helicopter tour, you're taking a guided van tour, a guided bus tour, you're just renting a car. If you're an outside traveler going to Nevada for the first time, you should tack on a trip to the Grand Canyon from Vegas. Yeah, a lot and of people don't know how close it is. What would you say? They don't know, just a couple of hours. Yeah. So there's, there's really expensive luxury ways to get there or super, super affordable ways yeah. that you can do it yourself. I it once went in a train. Have you been in the train where the outlaws come on the train? No. It's a little, it's a sort of, oh. a, I don't think it takes you anywhere. It's just there. I forgot how long ago that was. And I don't know if it's still going on, but you're in this little train and these outlaws come on and rob you. <laughs> it's very <laughs> cute. Because <laughs> you don't expect it. They don't tell you it's going to happen. So of course. It's like, <laughs> anyway. Well, speaking of outlaws, I guess my last tip would be visiting the Mob Museum. So especially oh, yes. for families. Yes, yeah. fabulous museum. If you're trying to get off the Strip at all and you want to go to the Fremont area, the downtown Las Vegas area, a little bit north of the Strip and get away from some of the casinos and the hotels, the Mob Museum is fascinating. It's a true museum, so you learn a lot, but it's also really interactive. You can take your own mug shot. You can learn all about the mobster history of the U.S., but also in Vegas, which was sort of a mob-run city for some time. So that's really, really cool and well worth the price. And it also tells you law enforcement agencies that fought the mob. So there is that as well. It's fun and it's also informative. I yeah. love the Mob Museum. Those are great. I didn't have any of them except the Mob Museum. But I have uh, one that is very interesting, the National Atomic Testing Museum. Have you been there? No, In I haven't. In the 1950s, people would walk around the streets on the strip and watch an enormous atomic mushroom cloud appearing on the horizon. The development of America's nuclear weapons program is hypnotic and horrifying and Las Vegas was close to the heart of it so you can visit while you're there it's a fascinating sad but interesting part of history the Las Vegas Springs Preserve have you been there that's the center the original water source for the city the Las Vegas Springs and it's known as the birthplace of Las Vegas it's wholesome there's activities you can bike around there it's green and nice so that's a nice getaway one that I've heard about it it sounds fun it's the heavy equipment playground have you heard of that I have heard of that. I haven't been there myself. Neither have I. You can get in a bulldozer, an excavator, and just dig trenches and stack tires and build mounds and just play like a kid. And I think some people might like that and maybe don't know about it. So 
I have that on my list. I think sometimes you put things on your list that you maybe will do. You don't think you're necessarily going to do it, but it's good to know about it. Also, the Neon Museum. Have you been there? I was just going to say that, Leah. That reminds me of the Neon Museum. Same um, thing. Yeah, it's wonderful. Old neon signs. They, they destroyed a lot of stuff. You know, Las Vegas is always new, 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 but they kept the neon signs. So you get a tour there. They tell you about some of the old, you know, Rat Pack stuff and all that kind of thing. It's, it's really pretty to see the lights and to hear the history. So that's fun. Okay, we've covered two. How about Orlando? It's home to more than a dozen theme parks, but beyond Walt Disney World, Universal Orlando, and the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, there are some surprising must-dos as well. So let's hear some. First, if we're getting outside the theme parks, which you know tend to bring folks to Orlando, but I think you should expand your horizons a little bit, is Icon Park, which some people might say is also a little bit touristy, but I've been there I guess as a tourist, but with my family that lives in Florida and it's awesome. I, you know, you said wholesome before to talk about, you know, something in Vegas. It's very wholesome, lots of activities, lots of dining. Again, like we talked about the high roller, that observation deck in Orlando that lets you see the whole city. And it's cool because you can see the nearby theme parks. You can see the tallest rides and what they're doing. And I really love spending time there with my family, my in-laws specifically. Where else? Next, Orlando itself is super, super fun. So whether you're driving down I drive, you're getting something to eat. I think people underestimate how drivable Florida is, especially if you're going to the parks and you need to rent a car anyway. So I would say if you have some extra time thinking about what's in technically the Orlando area, but a little bit outside could expand your list of things to do. So whether that's Kennedy Space Center, which is all the way out to the east, or if you're driving a little bit further south to Kissimmee and you're going to Old Town Kissimmee or Fun Spot, which are locals' favorites, or you want to get out in nature. I've done airboat rides in the area too, and those are awesome because you can't leave Orlando without seeing some alligators or you know whether they're enclosed in a Gatorland type space or out in the wild on an airboat. I think people have different opinions about this, about eating alligator, but that's also something that's a very Orlando thing to do. If you are open to eating alligator, it tastes like chicken. <laughs> that's, that's what they say. You know what? I was offered the opportunity to eat one, one time and I had just seen them alive. And so personally, I get it. I get it. It. <laughs> the people I was with did, and they really enjoyed it. I couldn't bring myself to do it. I get it. Where else? Um, I think now I'm going to pivot to dining because Orlando is full of so many dining opportunities. The first I would say is I don't think everyone realizes this if they're coming from out of the country or out of the state. But even though the parks are super expensive, you can dine and sort of enter for free at Disney Springs or downtown Disney, Universal City Walk. So if you drive and just enter there, you can experience the theme parks without paying the high admission prices. I love a theme. I love anything sort of kitschy. It's called Cowfish in Universal City Walk. It's a combination sushi burger restaurant. <laughs> and so you can get a really great burger. Surf and turf. Yeah, literally. And you can get really great sushi or you can get a burger themed sushi, which I've gotten before, sort of cheeseburger sushi, no raw fish included. Oh my goodness. And it's so specific. It's, uh-huh. <laughs> it's super, super fun. I think Orlando really runs the gamut in terms of budget too. At the Ritz Carlton, they have an amazing restaurant called Highball and Harvest. And that's a tip that I love to use in different cities is if I'm not deciding to pay for the luxury hotel experience, I might go take one dinner at that luxury experience. Exactly. Or even one drink at a bar or even just sit in the lobby. I say that a lot. You can enjoy the ambience without staying there. Yeah. 
Exactly. Exactly. I mentioned the gators before, but there are a lot of areas where you can either see gators in their enclosures like Gatorland or visit them or just learn more about all the conservation happening. The swamp areas and sawgrass areas in the state have changed the landscape so much over the years that a lot of these places will let you learn what climate change has meant to the state and how it's changed over the years. It's really, really fascinating. Interesting. Okay. I have just one addition on my list. I would add Winter Park, which is a city just about 25 miles outside of Orlando. Very beautiful little city. There's a narrated winter park scenic boat tour where you can have a guided tour through the waterways. You see the natural scenery, the wildlife. Rollins College, which is from the 1920s, a very beautiful campus. It's a lovely, lovely thing to do when you want quiet, get away from the busy scene. And then my favorite museum in the area is the Morse Museum, which is the world's most comprehensive collection of works by Lewis Comfort Tiffany including the artists and designers, jewelry, pottery, paintings, art glass, leaded glass lamps, windows, and even a chapel interior from the 1893 World's Columbian Exposition in Chicago. It is a real surprise. It's one of the great museums of Florida and maybe of the country, and it's right there your Disney. I highly recommend Winter Park, right? A day, get away. I'll have to add that horse museum to my list next time I'm visiting. Oh, it's just gorgeous. Really is. So how about Chicago? It's on Lake Michigan in Illinois. It's among the largest cities in the U.S., a real American city. What are some of the highlights? The first highlight, and people love this, so it's well reported on TripAdvisor and Yelp, is an architecture river cruise. It's one of the top things to do in the city and for a reason. So there are different providers that you can take But Chicago's architecture is fascinating. And I think every city has its own architecture. So you sort of think, okay, well, what's so special about Chicago? But it truly is. And it's how collaborative the architects were in designing the city. So I won't spoil any of it. But absolutely seeing the city and learning about it from the river is a must do. At all levels and all types. It's a wonderful city for architecture. I agree. Yes. The next thing, if you're a fan of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, really easy to recreate and have your own Ferris Bueller Day in Chicago. You can add in, you know, as many sort of fancy restaurants if you want, like that scene with the hostel host at the restaurant. If you start your day at the Sky Deck in Willis Tower and you see the views of the city. Where they have the uh, thing that moves and scares you, or is that another place? Yep. They have tilt, which is super scary. Yeah. You can walk out into the bump outs on the side of the building. The first time I did it, I was actually, I was too afraid. So I turned around, I sat down on my butt and I crab walked back so that my friends could take a photo and then crawled out because I just couldn't stand to look beneath me. And tilt is scarier than that. It's sort of leaning out through the glass over the So you have to be a real daredevil to do that. (laughs) And finally, a Cubs game, which is iconic, just like Fenway Park in Boston, Wrigley Field in Chicago is a must do if you're a baseball fan or if you just like hot dogs. Yeah, I think it was built in 1914. They don't win a lot, but they're very loved. Very much. Exactly. Uh, Next, I would say the Bean at Millennial Park is super touristy, but super free, very Instagrammable. And that's something that you see and you immediately think Chicago. That is just a huge piece of Chicago's public art scene. And it's really fun. You can go take selfies in it with your friends or your family. You can get all kinds of angles. So I wouldn't miss that. A lot of other public art there, too. There's also the Boeing Galleries where you can stroll through gardens you can relax on the lawn in front of the Frank Gehry designed Jay Pritzker Pavilion. It's a beautiful area, Millennium Park. I guess it was built for the Millennium, correct? I think so. Must and be. You know, Chicago just feels like a very clean 
city. I think it's part of that is the architecture, truly. I think it's the clean lines and how the city was built, but it's also the public art. It's just a really nice city to spend some time in. Even if the first time I went was March and it was freezing cold, I would prefer yeah. to spend time there in July or August. <laughs> it's lovely in the warmer weather, I think. Chicagoans are proud of their fortitude. Yes, you can are. walk along the river too. You mentioned the, the boat ride. There's a pedestrian path along the main branch of the Chicago River. It's lined with restaurants, bars, gathering spaces, a long way or a short way, but it's very pretty. And the architecture is right there at night as well. Beautiful. And Garfield Park is among the largest conservatories in the United States. It has 600 species of plants, the gigantic trees that fill the palm house and a fern room. And it's really warm in the winter, but it's cool to go because it's tropical. So those are my additions. It's a great place for a long weekend. You really feel it's a part of Americana. And uh, I love it, actually. And it's so centrally located in the U.S. too. It's it's an easy long weekend to mm-hmm. take. East Coast, West Coast, exactly. Absolutely. Well, we're going to end with a gorgeous city, probably my favorite as far as beauty in the United States, San Francisco, the commercial, financial, and cultural center of Northern California. What are some of your suggestions? It's a Golden Gate Bridge, of course. You can walk over it. You could walk underneath it. You could drive. I really love to see it by boat. It gives you this unique vantage point of sail underneath the bridge too. So you can see it from one far side underneath it and really look up and marvel at how massive it is. And then come out on the other side and see another vantage point with a different background behind it. Alcatraz, of course, Alcatraz is this top site, right? So the best tip that I have is you have to plan ahead and do your research. There are so many different ways to visit, but it's very much like the top tier experience of visiting the Statue of Liberty. That's Alcatraz in San Francisco. So if you're interested in visiting, plan well in advance and make that the focal point of your trip. I would add they have a night tour, which is kind of creepy. Very creepy. Yeah. I don't know if I would do that. It's there for people who <laughs> And want. if it's foggy and all that, it's even worse, but it's yeah. kind of cool. What else? Fisherman's Wharf and the Pier 39 area and the Embarcadero, they get a touristy rep. I think it's well worth spending a couple of hours there. It's right on the water. Plenty of free things to do if you want to. The famous Pier 39 seals on their deck. <laughs> They're sea lions, I think. Lions. They decided to stay there. (laughs) Yes. And they're hilarious. I mean, they They will talk to you. They're snoozing on each other, but then they're making their massive bellowing sounds. And it's super fun. Are you sure that was a sea lion? No, actually. (laughs) But Um, it is fun. I love that you can, in the middle of a great city, you can go and play with the sea lions. Well, you can watch them play. Exactly. And there's plenty of food around there. You can take that route and mosey your way over to Ghirardelli Square and try the chocolate, of course, or you can try the sourdough bread that that San Francisco is famous for. So I think it's worth tweaking into your itinerary for a quick visit. Lastly, I would say the Painted Ladies. Those are so famous in San Francisco. It is well worth a trip. You know, every city that you visit, you want to take that iconic photo, but standing in Alamo Park and looking out at the Painted Ladies, you see the city beyond them. Sometimes you can see the water. Painted Ladies of a Victorian house with three or more colors. It is beautiful. Yes. San Francisco is known for being super hilly. Right wherever you're coming from, you're going to be walking some hills to get there. So maybe stop for a snack or some ice cream. There's you know a bunch of salt and straws in the area. Get a snack and then just sit for a little bit once you see the painted ladies and then go about the rest of your day. Speaking of hills, there's one street, Lombard Street. It's known as the crookedest street in San Francisco. I would go to the top of it. it. It's a zigzag road that makes eight sharp turns across Russian Hill. You'll have a great view. And then you walk down the steps, you see the mansions around you. If you have a car, you can try to drive it, which is probably very hard. I have never been in a car doing that, but I have walked it. And it's cool. 
I mentioned in my list, Golden Gate Park, which is larger than New York Central Park, and it has so many wonderful attractions. You can spend all day there. It's beautiful. There's a museum and gardens and all kinds of wonderful things to do with the family. And also Chinatown. I think this is the largest Chinatown outside of Asia. It's just wonderful for Chinese food. If you go to the Golden Gate Fortune Cookie Factory, they make 20,000 fortune cookies every day folded by hand. And that's where I think the fortune cookie came from. It's an American thing, not a Chinese thing. So you might enjoy that as well. Now, the name of the podcast is Places I Remember. So Kaylee, could you please give us a special memory of your travels in a city or wherever in the world? Yes. So I'm going to bring us back to Las Vegas. One of my favorite recent memories from Las Vegas, I was traveling there with my work team. Actually, we're a very close group of colleagues. And we had previously done the amazing zipline experience above the safari park at the San Diego Zoo. It was incredible. You sort of ascend this area and you zipline over the entire acreage. So there's just wild animals grazing underneath you. And we were all terrified. And I think some of us felt like, great, did that once in a lifetime, never going to do that again. Well, a couple of years later, a lot of the same group were in Vegas and at the promenade that I spoke about, the Link Promenade, you can zip line over that. And so we all said, we're going to do it. And I remember it so vividly because we're such a supportive team. And some of us were truly scared, you know, down to our toes and sort of halfway through we're in the elevator and we're saying, no, we can't do this. No, we can't do this. And then we get to the top and there's that line and you're saying, I can't do this. I can't do this. And then they're putting this, you know, equipment on you. You're strapping you up. And that sense of just having a supportive group around you who says, you can do this, it's terrifying, but it's also exhilarating, was amazing. And so I will never forget getting up to the top and you see the promenade out before you. And of course, sometimes you see four-year-old, you know, eight-year-old kids in front of you and they're getting on no problem. So then you say, okay, well, I can do this. The eight-year-old boy can do it. I can do it. And so you jump up and they, they strap you in. And when you're in a line, especially with friends or family, and you can look to your left and right and see them there, the adrenaline just takes over. And we zip lined. And of course, we're just screaming and nobody can hear because it's so loud. <laughs> but we screamed and we zip lined and we sailed over everybody down below who was eating, drinking, you know, walking around with their massive yardstick smoothie cocktails. And I think I remember screaming, Las Vegas, <laughs> as I'm zip lining over the top. And I thought that I would never top that experience. The the safari park in San Diego really topped it. Very, very good. Thank you so much, Kaylee McAllister, Senior Regional Director at Go City, for sharing your suggestions with us. Our cities are filled with surprises. So let's travel and enjoy them. Thanks Thank you, again. Leah. Thanks for listening to our award-winning podcast. We've recorded over 100 episodes of Places I Remember, so follow us on any podcast app. And new monthly episodes are also on YouTube with gorgeous video. My book, Places I Remember, is available in print and Kindle, and I read the audio version. Follow my travel writing at Forbes.com. Contact me at the links in the show notes or on my website, placesiremembereleahlane.com, and keep making your own travel memories. <laughs>